This podcast is produced by Sunnydale Studios. I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today and pay my respects to their elders past and present. I just recently did my first collab. It was so much fun. If it's not right for you, then it's not right for you. It's also a way of making it more normalised. There is so much behind the scenes that people don't realise. That is so unladylike. Hi, Audrey. Thank you so much for co-hosting this episode to discuss sex work and OnlyFans today. No worries. Thanks for having me. Now, we're just going to get straight into it because uh, one of the things I pride myself on with someone ladylike is that we're just no BS, no fluff. So um, I just, I want to start with some of the recent data, I guess, that shows that more than 170 million people use OnlyFans with 500,000 people joining daily. Oh goodness! Okay, that's insane. I was I was Mm. looking into it, and prior to OnlyFans, apparently there were other um, cam websites uh, that that women could create content on, but that the app creators would take forty to eighty five percent of the creator's income. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's possibly why OnlyFans has gotten as big as it has because it's the first um, platform that lets the creators earn money and not take a big chunk of it. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I wasn't aware of that, but um, pretty much every other site I'm aware of now is about 20% like OnlyFans is. So yeah. whether they changed their minds after OnlyFans kind of came around, but um, they've they definitely have, right? paved the way. Yeah, it's been an insane couple of years. I I know your story, but our listeners might not know. Can you can you tell us how how did you get here? Uh, I don't really know, to be honest. <laughs> I started um, an OnlyFans back in March 2020 um, at the start of the pandemic, but that wasn't like the reason I started. I didn't like lose my job or anything. Not not originally, anyway. I started before I lost my job, um, before everything kind of shut down. But I had always had an interest in the industry. Uh, even like as a teenager, I was watching like documentaries on cam girls and stuff. It was kind of weird. Um, I, it's always just piqued my interest. And yeah, I, I tried a couple years ago, actually, but I didn't have the confidence then. I was um, just not feeling myself. My body wasn't where I wanted it to be, whatnot. And uh, I immediately deleted those pictures as soon as I took them. And then probably like a year later, maybe it was, I tried again uh, just randomly one day and I didn't look back, I guess. Now, am I correct in stating that there was one month as an example where you made $37,000? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was January this year. That's been my best month so far. It's been a bit of a dip since, but, um, we naturally go through a dip, uh, in the industry between like April and October. Um, well, it's hard to say, but I think it's because most of, at least my fans are American, like probably like 70% of my fans are American. And so that's their summertime. And so people are out and about and they're like living their lives. Yeah. So we, we do see a little bit of a dip during those months, but the, the rest of the months definitely make up for it, which is nice, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and have you found a real community with it as well? Because I saw recently that you did some group content shoots. Yeah. 
with other um, OnlyFans, which on Instagram you call it OnlyPals, is that right? Because yes. you don't want to trigger any. It's like if I ever mention um, sex on Instagram, I always do S-E-G-G-S because yes. <laughs> Instagram will pick it up and, I mean, it's, you know, hard enough with the algorithm as it is. I know, yeah. We get banned very easily on social media, specifically Instagram and TikTok are the worst. Mm. And so we have to be really careful with what we put out there. And so, yeah, I call it only pals and just hope that everyone kind of realises what I'm saying. I've made some really great friends all over Australia. There's some in Perth, some in Melbourne. Um, and then I've got friends over in the UK and America. Uh, it's been really great. There's, It is quite a tight-knit community, which is good. But then also if there's anything wrong, like if you're doing anything kind of unethically or anything, then you will be shut out from the community and it will affect you, which is good, I guess. Like you don't want to be accepting anyone in that's doing some shitty things behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've, I just recently did my first collab with a bunch of uh, girls over on the East Coast and it was so much fun. It was basically yeah, it just like fun. a party weekend, although we didn't like drink or anything. It was just like we were hanging out, having fun. Yeah, that's so good. Now, you have, um, you're married and have a child. Yep. My understanding is that that dynamic works really well for your family as well, because it means that you can create content on your own time. Um, and your husband is the full-time dad, I guess. Yeah, it's been really great for us personally. I mean, it doesn't work for everyone, obviously, um, but for us, it works really well. He's super supportive of everything I do. Um, and it just works that I get to work when I have time down, either when my child's at daycare or um, during the night, I'm naturally a night owl. Like I don't get up before like 10 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> I mean, I have to get up before 10, but I am a night person as well. Um, yeah. And creatively, I find that's when, you know, juices flow for everything. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> I, I get most of my like deep work done like 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. is when I do like the behind the scenes admin kind of work and really focus on everything I'm doing. And then I try and create content during the day just because the lighting's better and everything, but I definitely feel better at night. Um, but it's yeah. amazing how it's this has helped our dynamic. It means my husband doesn't have to work either. And, yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah. That's um, one of the the pros, I guess, would be that, that work-life balance. And I think one of the things that I like about OnlyFans is that it appears to me to be a much more ethical and safe way for women to create and earn through adult content. Because I think a lot of pornography, um, it's not on women's terms. It's not, you know, they don't necessarily decide a lot of the content, whereas this is this is on your terms. You set your boundaries um, and and you can you can stick to those. It's what you're comfortable with and what, what you, what you want to do. Yeah. I love that we get to have a say in what we want to do and no one's managing us. Um, I think it's really great that people have been able to take that power back into their own hands and, and decide what they're comfortable with and what they want to shoot and who they want to shoot with. And um, I don't know much about the like professional pornography scene, I guess. Um, but I, no, there's lots of stories about it being unsafe and unethical and whatnot. And um, I think OnlyFans was just like the beginning of us kind of taking that back and claiming the power. And I think it's also a way of 
making it more normalised and mm. making people aware that it's not just us getting naked in front of a camera. Like that is so not all we do. Yeah. I wish it was, honestly. <laughs> so what 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 else is there to it? Probably like 50% is marketing. Yeah. And then like 40% is customer service, sales, that sort of thing. Like you really need to have your brain switched on on like the business terms. Yeah. You have to kind of be knowledgeable of social media and marketing and customer service and sales techniques and there's so much behind the scenes that you need to know it's not just about the content actually the content's like a a really small portion of it I think well I mean how else are people going to know that you exist on OnlyFans right unless you're putting in all the work to to get known so that's through Instagram isn't it but then you've got to be so mindful of the content that you put there because they're so restrictive and I it must make it hard when we're trying to normalize um, and remove stigma from issues that you know that women experience especially adult sex work or in working in the sex industry makes it really hard when such large platforms just silence or restrict any form of content you know I mean we all know that a woman's nipple oh goodness me man's is fine but not a woman's you know so it must be hard to get across what people are going to be able to find on OnlyFans through Instagram Yeah, it's really frustrating. Instagram uh, and TikTok are probably the two main um, platforms at the moment where we get the most engagement and the most fans and the conversion rates the best, but they are the hardest to stay on Mm. and keep your accounts active. I've probably had like 20 TikToks at this point. I think I'm on my fourth Instagram. So I've been pretty lucky there so far, but I am very safe on there compared to some other people that I know. And it is so frustrating every time you get deleted or you just have to start again because Mm. a lot of people don't realize OnlyFans doesn't actually have a search function or categories or a home page. Like if you're on there, the only way to become known is by doing your own marketing. They don't do any marketing for us. So, so people can only find you by having a direct link? Yeah, or knowing exactly who they're looking for. So there is like a search like bar. Like a username. Yeah. yeah, there's a search bar, but it only works if you're actually searching for a specific person. Person. Yeah, there's no like categories or anything. There's no homepage. It's it's not the greatest site, honestly. Like, yes, it's great what it's done for us, but the site itself is total trash, honestly. Okay. <laughs> Needs a bit of work. It does. Yeah. So what what would you say the the pros and the cons are? The cons are definitely the stigmatizing and the being shamed and all of that and also in the future having that be backlashed onto us unfortunately um Mm. and um I've done like a a 30 minute like free webinar on this as well like all the pros and cons because I want people to be aware of what they're getting into before they get into it Um, and I love that um about do you want to just tell us what your website is I'll put it in the show notes as well but I know that you've got um a website that helps people wanting to get into the industry as well yeah, um, so Audrey Aura Academy is what I've got um, going at the moment. I've just launched it last month. So I've got the free webinar, which goes through like whether this is actually the industry for you because there is a lot to think about and I don't want people getting into it just by thinking that it's an easy job and something that they can just do to make money because it really is not. 
I'm um, glad you said that because a lot of the conversations to, I just have with people in general, out for dinner, out for lunch, whatever, OnlyFans comes up. Oh, yeah, great, easy money. Yeah. I can do this. I can do that. Um, I, I think that is a misconception for uh, of, of a lot of people. I don't know much about it at all. Um, so that's that's great that you do that and that it is work. Like it's not yeah. as easy as everybody thinks it is and you need to do the marketing. People aren't just there and able to find the content that you're putting out if you're not promoting it exactly and although yes the content itself might not be like physically hard I mean sometimes it can be if you're shooting for eight hours straight but although yes it's not (laughs) although it's not like a demanding job it there is so much behind the scenes that people don't realize and um the fact that we have to fight against all of these social media platforms as well just to be known and be recognized is just one of the downfalls unfortunately that we're trying to get past but there's so many amazing things advocating for yourself as well because I'm I'm assuming you get some uh, not okay messages sometimes or not okay requests that might trigger you in some way as well and, and that's a battle and something that you have to continually fight with as well yeah for sure I'm pretty desensitized to that sort of stuff now um but to begin with, it was a bit of a battle to get over uh, not only the comments um, shaming me for what I do, but also about my body or um, just some horrible, horrible things that people say. And I'm fine with it now. I just ignore it because I know how this job has changed my life and I'm okay with the downfalls that it comes with as well. But I know a lot of people who have struggled really hard with the backlash that they've received especially the people that receive backlash from their family thankfully I've had some really supportive people in my life be happy with what I do um but I know people who have been outcast from their families and um just horrible things happen to them because of this yeah it's it's it would be a tough one I think um something we need to remember is that just because you don't want to do it doesn't mean that it's you know you, your judgment needs to be put onto other people if it's not right for you then it's not right for you you don't need to mm. tell everybody about that and your opinion on it and opinion of what they're doing as long as you're not hurting anybody and it it's works for for you and your life um yeah i think mind your business <laughs> yeah in my personal opinion mind your business i think people um, also need to remember that it's completely legal And I think a lot of people think that we're doing something really shady and um, shameful and also people think that we need to be stupid and we can't be doing other jobs or whatever. Like one of the biggest thing I get is get a real job and I had a real job. I was in administration and I was working 40 hours a week and it's just who wants to work a nine-to-five if they don't have to? If you don't have to. I remember watching, I think it was an episode of Dr. Phil, um, (laughs) and there was a female um, OnlyFans creator. Actually, it was a husband and wife um, team. Uh, they had a, a joint account and she had worked as a neonatal nurse. Um, she was on X amount of money and now she's on $200,000 a year. Um, and she just said that it has completely changed her life and given them opportunities as a family to do things that they would never have dreamed of doing. They've got this amazing balance. They don't miss a single thing in their children's lives. And they've got three boys, And um, one of the questions Dr. Phil asked was, do your kids know what you do? And they said, yes, they do. And he asked, how how did you have that conversation? Um, And I'd I'd like to ask you the same question when your son, you've got a son. Mm -hmm. 
yet when he's older um, if you're still uh, doing this, is is that a conversation you will have with him? Because I, I feel like part of removing that stigma and shame is letting our, our kids know that it's it's a perfectly legal and okay job and there's no shame in it. I agree. I think that's exactly what we need to be doing and, and bringing awareness at age-appropriate times. Obviously, I mean, my child's only like four. So yeah. they're is things that obviously he doesn't know what I do now. He just knows I sit at a computer and type away. Um, but he, I'll tell him things when he's the right age and um, I hope that in five, ten years' time we've decreased the stigma even more than we have now because we've come so far in five years. I can only hope that in ten years it'll just be like another job that you don't bat your eyelashes at basically. Yeah. Um, but I definitely plan to tell him things I will come across that bridge when I get to it I guess but I think yeah just telling them things at age-appropriate times is what we need to do and um, I hope that it's not going to be an issue and I hope to raise him to be understanding and um, empathetic and and not judgmental of anyone for any of their choices so yeah yeah I think it raises important conversations with our sons or daughters or non-binary children around consent and respect, especially of women, because it's something that we, you know, we've been sexualized by other people for since the beginning of time, um, mm. particularly by men, we've been sexualized, but God forbid we sexualize ourselves and we take the autonomy back in sexualizing ourselves, then all of a sudden we're, you know, when we're not good parents or we're not doing a real job or we're not, you know, um, and I think that for me is something I love about the, you know, women like yourself who are so open about this is that you're taking that power back. You yeah. Know, you're, you've got the control. Um, and yeah, just something I've noticed is so much, especially with men, I want to sexualize you on my terms, but if you sexualize yourself, well, then you know that that talk about oh yeah, well no, I I, I want a um a woman in the street, but a freak in bed, you know, like Ugh. just stupid stuff like that. Yeah, and it's yeah, I think it breaks that, down that narrative, changes that narrative a bit. Yeah, and also that we're told that constantly, I'll have people watching my stuff, but constantly saying oh I would never let my girlfriend do this or I'd never let my sister do this or and it's, it's not your choice to decide what we do with our own bodies and yes I, I yeah I think it's so frustrating and the fact that guys would hype up their male mates if they were to get into this and they'd be like oh yeah go you you're like doing all this making this money collabing with girls like look at you but then if their female friend was to do it it would be a totally different story and the let I would never let. Yeah. I hate that. Like you do not have control over a woman's body or her decisions. And if she wants to do that and you don't agree with it, you know where the door is, but you don't mm-hmm. get to let her. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not your your decision. Um, you know, it's like um, even, you know, my husband's himself is working on breaking down that toxic masculine conditioning that he has uh, and was very much when we were younger, um, you're with me now, you don't need to wear a skirt that short. And even in my 20s, I was like, what, what's the length of my skirt got to do with whether or not I'm with you? But there's like that ownership, you know. Yeah. You'll do things on my terms. And he's not like that anymore. Let's just, for the record, put that out there. That's but, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
yeah, they're, they're almost conditioned that way as well as though we are objects of control and ownership. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I, I just, I love how vocal you are. I found you through so many different articles and the articles were all really positive. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've been really lucky for to a get, while there. Yeah. I'm, I've gotten really lucky that I haven't had any negative articles so far. Uh, I know a lot of people who have had the negative backlash, but I've tried really hard to spin it in a positive note and bring awareness and I think the only way to get it normalized is just to talk about it more and be open and honest about it and um, I've been really lucky to have a husband who's super supportive and never felt the need to hold me down or whatever he's more like yeah you go out looking hot and I'll know that I like we're together and I'm lucky because of that and yeah I I feel sorry for anyone that doesn't have that in their life honestly I know. I know. It's just, it's so much conditioning. And again, like you said, go out looking hot and he doesn't think anything of it because you're dressing for you. You're not dressing for the attention of other people or validation from other people. And um, just that idea that because you look or dress a certain way that you're going to go out and cheat or that guys will crack onto you. And I always used to say to him, well, that's their problem. Like Mm. this whole men can't control themselves narrative needs to stop, like learn. Yeah, exactly. Figure it out, fellas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I was going to ask you how how can we, like, support women? You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to want to do it yourself. But how can the listeners support women such as yourself? Um, is it having those conversations when it comes up with friends like, oh, yeah, I could do a couple of photos, or, you know, having that conversation around, mm, that's a real job. You shouldn't just brush it off like that. Um, or if someone does put it down, like, mm, you know, it's not, it, that's, that's not how we're going to talk about other women or yeah. how can, how can people listening be a part of the the change? I think that's exactly what we need to be doing. If someone brings it up in a negative light, just being like, Hey, I don't think you actually have the narrative right. Or, um, educating yourself as well on the different mm. things that come into this job and, and that we're affected by, um, Um, what we have to do and what we have to deal with on a daily basis I think is one thing as well as then uh, normalizing the conversation between friends and between anyone really just making it normal and talking about it more and not having that stigma around it and um, yeah I think that's all we can really do at this point just just keep talking and keep doing what you're doing and getting those amazing articles out there Um, it must have been after January because it was such a, a, yeah. a huge amount of money to make in a month. Um, and I just remember reading all these articles. And um, I think you said, does your um, does your husband have autism? Yes. Um, and you said that that almost helps him view mm-hmm. it as a job because it's just very much this is your job and that's because he's quite literal and logical. and Yeah, he doesn't really agree with a lot of like social norms that we've decided as society are things that should be accepted um and I think that is a part of it as well as he was raised well and um his dad is exactly the same always been very um feminist I guess and yeah I think it does impact it a little bit the fact that he doesn't view it that way he does see it as a job um I think it does come down to his autism. My, my son's got autism as well. Um, and that's just another reason why this job is so great because I get to support my family. Um, and because a lot of autistic people do struggle in 
uh, workplaces and whatnot because they're social not very, situations. Yeah, they're not very um, friendly to people that aren't uh, like neurotypical is the typical. word I'm thinking yeah. of. Um, so the fact that I get to support our family and and he doesn't have to worry about that is just another benefit for us personally. Well, you sound like you've absolutely nailed it. Um, <laughs> I I am so grateful for you coming on today and being so open and talking about these things. And I hope that um, everyone listening takes the time to educate themselves a little bit more, not just from this episode, but, you know, listening to other um, creators and taking that step when talking with your friends if they're going to put down other women based on what they do for a living that you you step up and we're always calling out men that men need to call each other out um to break down that patriarchy and that misogynistic attitude then as women to support other women we need to do the same thing and to normalize these things uh and to to remove the stigma it's up to us to do it yeah i agree so well you can go nap now because (laughs) you've got your own schedule (laughs) yeah i do nap almost every single day um, I'm going to pop your Audrey Aura 2.0. The 2.0 I'm suggesting is because Instagram's an asshole and just deleted one of your accounts. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to pop it in there so people can um, check out your hot self and um, see see what you're all about. Great. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you for coming on. Thanks.